Hey there, everybody. Just doing a dab real quick. Tell you guys a quick story. Uh, yeah, by the way, we do dabs on this show. We smoke weed on this show. This is the Baked and Wake podcast. So if you don't know, now you know. Uh, if you're concerned about that, hide your wife, hide your kids, whatever you got to do. I guess I didn't need to worry too much about um, longevity on those last couple of quartz bangers because I broke them both in very short order. I'm happy to report the water pipe itself is in fine condition. So, yeah. Anyway, I um, wanted to let you guys know before I sat down to record or write my notes and get ready to record this um, the other morning, um, my uh, young kids were... Uh, having some bath time uh that morning uh the baby had woken up dirty as as heck and uh i'm gonna relate to you guys a uh, personal uh father moment right now uh that was humorous to me uh the two-year-old had me pause while i was passing by the door and take a look he was inspecting himself discovering his little body and he said look at all my testicles (laughs) and uh we counted them and uh, then his older brother, Kenny, explained that uh, he had thought that uh, the testicles, he said, it just looks like a brain to me, so I just called it the wiener brain. <laughs> oh, man. And, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> Oh, man. Welcome, uh, everybody. I think this is episode 50 of the podcast. Um, thank you so much for sitting down and joining me and listening today. Uh, if you, it's your first episode, or if it's your 50th episode, we are rapidly closing in on um, a year. I think the 17th of August. Uh, it was a Friday of last year. Uh, we put out our first episode. Uh, on Libsyn, so uh, a couple weeks before that, maybe I had um, certainly put up a couple of proto episodes on YouTube where we were testing out the format and figuring it out. So, uh, but overall, by the time the 17th hits here in another few days, I'm hoping to also be at with, with this episode 50 in the bag. We'll be at 52 episodes in 52 weeks. Somehow, it averaged out that way. Uh, and thank you if you've been joining me for the journey. So uh, that was my dab for the episode. I'm going to switch to flour after this. Our strain of the week this week is actually like a uh, mystery strain homegrown from a friend uh, that I managed to get a small stash of. And uh, neither of us has the strain on this one. So 
uh, but I rolled them up in some really interesting Randy's Wired Rolling Papers, which I shared on Instagram, oh, last week. And uh, these things are really neat, as I would like very much to tell you guys about. Um, we get a little auntie going in the background for us here. And um, see if I can sort of collect my thoughts about these Randy's Wireds. So these are a paper that's been around since like the uh, mid-70s. They've been around. They're not new, uh, but they're really cool um, as far as I'm concerned. It's like it's its own. First off, it's it's got and is advertised as having this wire. The wire is advertised as being sort of like your built-in roach clip. Visualize it that way, okay? Especially if you run no filter, crutchless, right? You could smoke these down to the tiny last little bit of the paper. Um, as the paper burns down, the wire, which it might be, it might be fucking aluminum. So I'm not positive if this isn't, you know, as excited as I am about these. I may decide long run it's not an everyday smoking paper because um, of, you know, like some sort of perceived risk of, you know, ickiness from the aluminum maybe um but it does seem like a lightweight and bendable and non-metallic non-ferrous metal so i don't know um but as that wire becomes exposed you can bend it daintily to the side like at 90 degree angle and it becomes a handle for your increasingly short and increasingly toasty um smaller and smaller cigarette joint eventually roach so these are really cool um I, as i said i shared some pictures of them on instagram so follow me there um, check the show notes every time, by the way, everybody, and especially newcomers. Um, I put the links for everything that I reference in the show, including our tea public shop for Baked and Awake uh, merchandise, uh, fun t-shirts, mugs, phone cases, uh, totes, uh, you name it, are up there at tea public. But um, yeah, uh, show notes are where you're going to find that. You're going to find information about the Damaged Goods Network, where um, Baked and Awake finds its home. Uh, the shows on the Damaged Goods Network that are uh, stable mates of the Baked and Awake podcast over there, including Damaged Goods, the show, and Daddy Issues, uh, Beta Testing, Clay Time in the Basement, Clay Tears It Up in, in His Basement. Uh, we've got Needless to Say, uh, just all sorts of uh, different shows, great people over there, uh, a, amazing group. They support our podcast amazingly at each and every one of those shows in different ways. So, Pop on by the Damaged Goods Network and show everybody over there some love. Um, I'm sure you're sure to find something that you like there besides us. Um, and yeah, yeah, you'll find uh, links to my friends uh, that collaborate with the show and support with the show uh, in other ways, like our friends over at Top Tree, um, digital cannabis humor aficionados and curators extraordinaire. So uh, holler at Top Tree on Instagram uh, and uh, if you need to find them and you need some help, hit them show notes. All right. Likewise, you're going to find the link to Randy's Wired Papers in the show notes. And um, I'm excited about them because they it's like not only the handle is fun, all right, but I'm saying that the actual rolling experience with these is enhanced. It is, um, I tend to roll with a crutch, with a, with a butt or a filter, uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, a, a rolled spiral or a little crinkly uh, zigzag roll. Um, of hard paper, torn business card. These days they sell, you know, tips. Um, a lot of the rolling papers even come with tips uh, built in with them. The Randys don't come with tips. They come with the wire. The wire is the important part. You probably have some tips already that you're rolling with. And I'm saying 
with or without, rock it how you want to, but you'll see when you get the Randys and the wire, the wire is like having its own rolling machine built into the paper, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. It just adds so much structure and such a willingness to like close hold that line that initial line when you've you know you've like carefully cradled and maybe done a quick you know um one two in between your uh you know thumbs and forefingers to sort of get things going in in a cylinder uh you know but uh when you're getting serious about the actual tuck and roll of the of making the joint that's where a lot of people run into trouble and things start getting you know cattywampus and stuff so um this really just it goes away completely the thicker papers too so if you're a thin paper person and you just aren't feeling thicker papers then maybe these aren't for you or maybe it's a paper that you want to use when you're like put it in your rucksack for hiking or cycling okay when you need to roll on the side of the road quick like and you you know you don't want any fuss and maybe that wire is nice to handle when you're, you know, holding it and passing it back and forth between gloves, uh, gloved hands. I don't know. Um, I like them a lot. I like that thicker paper. They burn nice and even. I haven't had one run on me yet. I bought a second pack of the papers. I liked them so much after I uh, bought the first pack, um, and I wasn't even done with the first pack yet. I just want to make sure I have them around, uh, especially for, like, an outdoor active uh, doobie. So... That's what I'm feeling. That's uh, what I got to say about these Randys. I think they're really fun. And as I said, they're not new. But if they're, if like me, they're new to you, um, I urge you to give them a shot, especially if you're a joint, you know, person and enjoy that, you know, um, and are rolling by hand. I think they're a fucking badass little game changer. It lets you keep your pack really streamlined, but you can look really pro really easily with your friends you're probably not going to find it at every 7-eleven on the corner um, but you can find it at most of the smoke shops where you can find your bongs and other you know accessories so yeah boom there's that review all right so i got um a fun and interesting as far as i'm concerned and I hope as far as you guys are concerned as well fun and interesting story to tell you all about here and uh, what I like about this one is it's not absolutely new and I've said this several times in the past um, not not up to not more than 50 times in the past certainly <laughs> uh, but I've said it a few times in the past I like it when I have an older story that still absolutely applies like top to bottom 100% and in my opinion is compelling um, one of the themes I think we talk about and come back to regularly on this um, you know podcast is what is the impact of technology on our lives how do we make peace with the beauty that is the technology that augments all of our intellects excuse me every single day already Okay, our access to Google and the extended realm of just the top level straight web. Okay, the regular, you know, I'm buttoning my shirt and straightening my tie here. The really straight laced web, not the dark web, not the deep web, none of that creepy shit. The regular web, 
and and using it halfway functionally as an adult today um or as a kid for that matter means you're effectively a superhuman by you know even a generation or two ago's standards you have tools supporting you every single day that help you remember birthdays and appointments and important important anniversaries etc um you have uh, platforms and social networks uh, that you've cultivated carefully over much of your adult life that are hopefully if you're you know doing anything right at all are halfway um, championing you as it, you know in, in so far as they can themselves or you can leverage them yourself um, championing you as a you know contributing member of society and as a mover and a shaker and a uh, fucking idea maker and so much more but we also know that we scare stare at our glowing rectangles our sacred glowing rectangles in all sizes all day long and the kids aren't even safe from them in their classrooms anymore we're sending them to school with them in their pockets and they're using them in, in school, in middle school and high school, and getting away with it all day, every day, all over the place. And Who am I to say they can't or shouldn't? Taking away part of their brains at this point. So what am I saying here? I'm saying the recurring theme here is the impact of the incredible types of technology that we are continuously adopting with little to no, like, hmm, should we do this or not, kind of on anybody's part. It could be said. Some might say that when they look at the trend. Things are the trend that we've been watching here in peak late capitalist, you know, civilization. Um... But we can't go backwards, can we? We can't. We know this. Part of the reason why we're sitting here with headphones on, looking at a sacred rectangle, talking into this microphone, surrounded by a couple other of my talismans, my powerful talismans, my sacred sacred rectangles. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm using so many right now. So many. To power this podcast. And I haven't even started pushing it digitally around and pushing it down to your rectangles. Um, we can't go backwards. All right. So we're here to come to grips with it. We're here to explore it and talk about it and understand what's happening to us and how much of it might be, I don't know, not that bad. Um, maybe largely good. I know with, you know, some of the themes that we cover here, a lot of it is cautionary. A lot of it is a little bit alarmed. A lot of it is a little bit coming from a place of, uh, uh, I don't know about this, you guys. Let's look what I found. Let's talk about it. I know we're not doing a whole lot more than that here, but we're doing that much. Uh, where did I go for this? I went to medium.com, okay? And uh, this is a couple of years old, which, again, I love because this is this guy is on it. 
Uh, he was a deep Google guy, big Google guy. He ran a startup that got acquired by Google and then I think stayed on and worked with them for a while. So uh, as like a product manager or, or something like that, probably a lot. You know, they've, they've got a, a name here, design ethicist. We'll, we'll get into it. Tristan Harris is his name. He wrote this back in May of 2016. And um, his title, from what I understand here, is uh, he is the co-founder at the Center for Humane Technology. And he is an ex-Google design ethicist, CEO of Apture, which was the acquired company by Google. Alphabet, whatever. Uh, philosopher, entrepreneur, friend, and human. The title of the story is How Technology is Hijacking Your Mind from a Magician and Google Design Ethicist. Let's light up one of these homegrowns in the Randy's Wired and see how it behaves for us for the podcast. Watch it run, canoe, spark, melt on me, and then finally explode. Should be great. Skeptics among you are like, yeah, fucking wire. What? Wires? What? There's wires in it? I Look, I don't know. I didn't come up with this shit. It's been kicking around since 75, which is probably why it's got aluminum in it. <laughs> it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. And that quote is attributed to unknown. But it is one we've heard before, and I do like it. And it's hard, you know. It's hard as a wannabe. Whatever you want to call it, use those fucking shitty cliches. Truther, use those, slap those labels on people. Conspiracy theorist, whatever. It's rough, man. Language, jargon, labels. Forget it. Let's get into it. Tristan Harris writes, I'm an expert on how technology hijacks our physiological, or psychological, excuse me, vulnerabilities. That's why I spent the last three years as a design ethicist at Google, caring about how to design things in a way that defends a billion people's minds from getting hijacked. When using technology, we often focus optimistically on all the things it does for us. But I want to show you where it might do the opposite. Where does technology exploit our mind's weaknesses? I learned to think this way when I was a magician. They have a photo right here of him young, doing literally a home magic uh, performance. Um, at a birthday party. Magicians start by looking for blind spots. 
edges, vulnerabilities, and the limits of people's perception. Yeah, I'm making sure this doesn't run on me, by the way, everybody. But it's like, you know, I'm talking and smoking at the same time. I need to do a better job at that. Vulnerabilities and the limits of people's perception. So they can influence what people do without them even realizing it. Once you know how to push people's buttons, you can play them like a piano. And this is exactly what product designers do to your mind. They play your psychological vulnerabilities, consciously and unconsciously, against you in the race to grab your attention. I want to show you how they do it. Hijack number one. If you control the menu, you control the choices. Western culture is built around ideals of individual choice and freedom. Millions of us fiercely defend our right to make, quote, free choices, while we ignore how those choices are manipulated upstream by menus we didn't choose in the first place. We've talked about this in the feed versus timeline dichotomy, which is being fed versus having a chronological top-down sort of timeline of events in the case of some of the most popular social media platforms and in the case of natural discovery on the web in general, which has been changed to a feed architecture paradigm. Back to it. This is exactly what magicians do. They give people the illusion of free choice while architecting the menu so that they win, no matter what you choose. I can't emphasize enough how deep this insight is. When people are given a menu of choices, they rarely ask, what's not on the menu? Why am I being given these options and not others? Do I know the menu provider's goals? Deploying wire handle. Oh yeah. Do I know the menu provider's goals? Is this menu empowering for my original need? All right. Or are the choices actually a distraction? Okay, so in a way that's, you know, is this menu, you know, true to what you asked for? Or are they like, just like, well, where you uh, use the keyword. So how about these? Ding, 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 links. We've all felt it. You know what I'm talking about a little bit. For example, imagine you're out with friends on a Tuesday night and want to keep the conversation going. You open Yelp to find nearby recommendations and see a list of bars. Evidently it's 2009. Well, they wrote this in 2016. I know Yelp's still big in a lot of places. The group turns into a huddle of faces, staring down at their phones, comparing bars. They scrutinize the photos of each, comparing cocktail drinks. 
Is this menu still relevant to the original desire of the group? It's not that bars aren't a good choice. It's that Yelp substituted the group's original question. In this case, where can we go to keep talking? With a different question. What's a bar with good photos of cocktails? All right, just by the nature of the way that app experience is set up, right? All by shaping the menu. Moreover, the group falls for the illusion that Yelp's menu represents a complete set of choices for where to go. While looking down at their phones, they don't see the park across the street with a band playing live music. They miss the pop-up gallery on the other side of the street, serving crepes and coffee. Neither of those show up on Yelp's menu. The more choices technology gives us in nearly every domain of our lives, information, events, places to go, friends, dating, jobs, you name it. Yeah, that covers a lot right there. The more we assume that our phone is always the most empowering and useful menu to pick from. Is it? The most empowering menu is different than the menu that has the most choices. But when we blindly surrender to the menus we're given, it's easy to lose track of the difference. Who's free tonight to hang out becomes a menu of most recent people who texted us. What's happening in the world becomes a menu of newsfeed stories. Who's single to go on a date becomes a menu of faces to swipe on Tinder instead of local events with friends or urban adventures nearby. That puts normal, natural, old, you know, approaching somebody in a social setting or a bar back on, I don't know, a little nicer seeming footing than, you know, the ubiquitous internet dating these days. I have to respond to this email becomes a menu of keys to type a response instead of empowering ways to communicate with a person. And yeah, we've seen this lately. I mean, Google's trying to write emails for us. Google's, you know, they they pop up like suggested appointments. You know, hey, set a time to meet. You know, because you mentioned something about, hey, let's get together next week. Um, you know, set a calendar invite. Just making sure we still are making wiggly lines on the recording software, and we are. When we wake up in the morning and turn our phone over to see a list of notifications... It frames the experience of waking up in the morning around a menu of all the things we've missed since yesterday. He's got a reference here for more examples about this. Um, 
Joe Edelman's Empowering Design Talk. So there's a, probably a, a video behind that. I didn't follow it yet. Let's peep it. Vimeo. Empowering Design, Ending the Attention Economy. Talk number one. First talk in a series. I'll check it out. I'll let you guys know later about it. By shaping the menus we pick from, excuse me, technology hijacks the way we perceive our choices and replaces them with new ones. But the closer we pay attention to the options we're given, the more we'll notice when they don't actually align with our true needs. Hijack number two. Put a slot machine in a billion pockets. If you're an app, how do you keep people hooked? Turn yourself into a slot machine. This is shameful, and I'm certainly in this range. The average person checks their phone 150 times a day. Why do we do this? Are we making 150 conscious choices? <laughs> There's a graphic of an inbox that says, really? Didn't you just check 10 seconds ago? That's the notification. <laughs> one major reason why is the number one psychological ingredient in slot machines. Intermittent variable rewards. There's a link to that on, in this doc, in the, in, the, in the article. If you want to maximize addictiveness... All tech designers need to do is link a user's action, like pulling a lever, with a variable reward. You pull a lever and immediately receive either an enticing reward, a match, a prize, or nothing. Addictiveness is maximized when the rate of reward is most variable. Does this effect really work on people? Answer, yes. Slot machines make more money in the United States than baseball, movies, and theme parks combined. Youch. Relative to other kinds of gambling, people get problematically involved with slot machines three to four times faster, according to NYU professor Natasha Dow Schull, author of Addiction by Design. But here's the unfortunate truth. Several billion people have a slot machine in their pocket. When we pull our phone out of our pocket, we're playing a slot machine to see what notifications we got. It's true. Did we finally get the email that came out of nowhere from LinkedIn about some magical contact who's going to elevate us to tiers in the organizational structure of our next employer or the ground you know floor startup that we're going to be invited to be a you know staked member of <laughs> or is it just more likes on instagram take those two right when we swipe down to finger to scroll the instagram feed we're playing a slot machine to see what photo comes next when we swipe faces left and right on dating apps like tinder we're playing a slot machine to see if we got a match when we tap the number of red notifications we're playing a slot machine to see what's underneath 
Yeah, you know, any general, the little fucking red highlights on any of your apps in your phone. Apps and websites sprinkle intermittent variable rewards all over their products because it's good for business. But in other cases, slot machines emerge by accident. For example, there is no malicious corporation behind all of email who consciously chose to make it a slot machine. No one profits when millions check their email and nothing's there. Neither did Apple and Google's designers want phones to work like slot machines. It emerged by accident. Sorry. Could have put that down instead. Did the typical. Chucked it across the room into the can. But now companies like Apple and Google have a responsibility to reduce these effects by converting intermittent variable rewards into less addictive, more predictable ones with better design. For example, they could empower people to set predictable times during the day or week for when they want to check slot machine apps and correspondingly adjust when new messages are delivered to align with those times. Good luck with that. I don't know about that suggestion, but hey. It's a suggestion. Hijack number three. Fear of missing something important, abbreviated as FOMC. Another way apps and websites hijack people's minds is by inducing a 1% chance you could be missing something important, quote-unquote, experience. If I convince you that I'm a channel for important information, messages, friendships, or potential sexual opportunities, it will be hard for you to turn me off, unsubscribe, or remove your account. Because, aha, I win. You might miss something important. This keeps us subscribed to newsletters even after they haven't delivered recent benefits. What if I miss a future announcement? This keeps us friended, uh, I'm rolling my eyes as I'm reading it, to people with whom we haven't spoke in ages. What if I miss something important from them? This keeps us swiping faces on dating apps, even when we haven't even met up with anyone in a while. What if I miss that one hot match who likes me? This keeps us using social media. What if I miss that important news story or fall behind on what my friends are talking about? But if we zoom into that fear, we'll discover that it is unbounded we'll always miss something important at any point when we stop using something. There are magic moments on Facebook we'll miss by not using it for the sixth hour. <laughs> E.g., an old friend who's visiting town right now 
right? You you know, you can miss somebody real. Who have you checked se the seventh time you might have known about? Those magic moments we'll miss on Tinder. E.g. Our dream romantic partner. By not swiping our 700th match. There are emergency phone calls we'll miss if we're not connected 24-7. But living moment to moment with the fear of missing something isn't how we're built to live. And it's amazing how quickly, once we let go of that fear, we wake up from the illusion. When we unplug for more than a day, unsubscribe from those notifications, or go to someplace called Camp Grounded link, the concerns we thought we'd have don't actually happen. We don't miss what we don't see. The thought. What if I miss something important? Is generated in advance of unplugging, unsubscribing, or turning off, not after. Imagine if tech companies recognized that and helped us proactively tune our relationships with friends and businesses in terms of what we define as time well spent for our lives instead of in terms of what we might miss. Be nice. Uh, it burned even. It did go out because I yacked too much, and I'm going to relight the last little bit of um, joint number one. I got two rolled here for us, <clears throat> and we're good halfway through this one, more than halfway through this little guy. And we're going into hijack number four, social approval. All right, so this stuff is all touching on stuff we've talked about a lot. Slide it back up. This is about social approval. We're all vulnerable to social approval, he says. The need to belong. To be approved or appreciated by our peers is among the highest human motivations. But now our social approval is in the hands of tech companies. Tell me it's not. When I get tagged by my friend Mark, I imagine him making a conscious choice to tag me. But I don't see how a company like Facebook orchestrated his doing that in the first place. So he's saying, yeah, we, he's likening himself to a regular person here. He's saying, I don't see the back end. Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat. Many others, I'm sure. Can manipulate how often people get tagged in photos by automatically suggesting all the faces people should tag. Example, showing a box with one-click information. Tag Tristan in this photo. Tag Steve in this photo. You know, and I get a little beep and a little thrill, a little buzz in my pocket. 
So when, to substitute my own friend Mick, tags me, and this is a bad example because this guy probably would intentionally tag me in something as opposed to being fed it. He's usually actually responding to Facebook's suggestion, not making an independent choice. So this is true of most of our friends, right? But through design choices like this, Facebook controls the multiplier for how often millions of people experience their social approval on the line. The same happens when we change our main profile photo. Facebook knows that's a moment when we're vulnerable to social approval. What do my friends think of my new pick? Facebook can rank this higher in the newsfeed so it sticks around for longer and more friends will like or comment on it. Each time they like or comment on it, we'll get pulled right back. Everyone immediately responds to social approval with some demographics teenagers are more vulnerable to it than others. That's why it's so important to recognize how powerful designers are when they exploit this vulnerability. Hijack number five. Social reciprocity. a.k.a. tit-for-tat. You do me a favor, I owe you one next time. You say thank you. I generally have to say you're welcome. You send me an email. It's rude not to get back to you. A lot of people are very rude on email in that respect then if that's rudeness you follow me it's rude not to follow you back and and they they were again here they put especially for teenagers i do feel that we are vulnerable to needing to reciprocate others gestures but as with social approval tech companies now manipulate how often we experience it. In some cases, it's by accident. Email, texting, and messaging apps are social reciprocity factories. But in other cases, companies exploit this vulnerability on purpose. LinkedIn is the most obvious offender. Okay. Well, you literally couldn't script this kind of thing, everybody. I just had to hit pause on recording midstream and take a break. The door to the studio had opened while we were recording there, and uh, my wife was at the door. She had tried to text me repeatedly to let me know that our neighbor, our next-door neighbor, was feeling very poorly and, in fact, needed our help to get transported to urgent care. 
Um, and she has real health issues, so it's, you know, it was a real thing. I literally put my phone on airplane mode just to record this podcast less than an hour out of the day. And what happens? Something emergent occurs. In this case, it couldn't have been more trivial in terms of, uh, no, it couldn't have been less trivial. It was a real thing. It mattered. It was good and right that, you know, my wife came up and interrupted me. Um, and, you know, neither of us would have it any differently, of course. You know, she supports me coming right back up and, you know, putting the phone on, do not disturb, and getting back to work at this point. Um, but, man, if that wasn't <laughs> just really, you know, on script for this story... Uh, for that to be what just occurred midway through sort of <laughs> asking ourselves what it would mean to unplug from any of these things in a meaningful fashion. Um, or maybe even what it would mean to just reapproach our own relationship with these technologies in a meaningful fashion. I, I thought it was wild. That was... Uh, we're fingers crossed right now our neighbor's going to be okay she ended up actually leaving and heading to the hospital uh, in an ambulance after we were unable to transport her successfully um my wife actually left with her and came back um so bad scene um neighbor ev we're thinking of you and uh sending sending good thoughts and hopefully we'll be able to help her out when she gets back home, we're taking care of her pets. So, to be accurate, Nicole is taking care of her pets. All right, we were at hijack number five. Social reciprocity. Speaking of social obligations. We were, we left off with the last few lines. In some cases, it's by accident. This is the medium.com story, how technology hijacks people's minds. Email, texting, and messaging apps are social reciprocity factories. But in other cases, companies exploit this vulnerability on purpose. LinkedIn is the most obvious offender. LinkedIn wants as many people creating social obligations for each other as possible, because each time they reciprocate by accepting a connection, responding to a message, or endorsing someone back for a skill, they have to come back on to LinkedIn.com, where they can get people to spend more time like Facebook LinkedIn exploits an asymmetry in perception when you receive an invitation from someone to connect you imagine that person making a conscious choice to invite you when in reality they likely unconsciously responded to LinkedIn's list of suggested contacts in other words LinkedIn turns your unconscious impulses to, quote, add a person, 
into new social obligations that millions of people feel obligated to repay. Have you ever gotten congratulated on a fucking spurious or half-made-up work anniversary on LinkedIn by, you know, none of your real connections who all know that that title was half-made-up in the first place of a startup company or your own little entrepreneurial firm or what have you, your creative agency, your freelance gigging, you know, LLC, whatever you want to call it, Uh, but, you know, you get... 50 messages from around the world from people who you never really met, certainly never worked with in your life, um, all of whom are congratulating you for your impressive work anniversary. (laughs) Imagine millions of people getting interrupted like this throughout their day, running around like chickens with their heads cut off reciprocating each other, all designed by companies who profit from it. Welcome to social media. Imagine if technology companies had a responsibility to minimize social reciprocity, or if there was an independent organization that represented the public's interests, an industry consortium, or an FDA, for tech that monitored when technology companies abused these biases. Hijack number six. Bottomless bowls, infinite feeds, and autoplay. Inset is an image of an autoplay countdown, you know, progress circle on YouTube. YouTube autoplay is the next video after a countdown. Another way to hijack people is to keep them consuming things, even when they aren't hungry anymore. How? Easy. Take an experience that was bounded and finite and turn it into a bottomless flow that keeps going. Cornell professor Brian Wansink demonstrated this in his study, showing you can trick people into keeping eating soup by giving them a bottomless bowl that automatically refills as they eat. Excuse me. With bottomless bowls, people eat 73% more calories than those with normal bowls and underestimate how many calories they ate by 140 calories. Tech companies exploit the same principle. News feeds are purposely designed to auto-refill with reasons to keep you scrolling and purposely eliminate any reason for you to pause reconsider, or leave. It's also why video and social media sites like Netflix, YouTube, or Facebook autoplay the next video after a countdown, instead of waiting for you to make a conscious choice, in case you won't. A huge portion of traffic on these websites is driven by autoplaying the next thing. 
couple of different inset images of this behavior on different platforms. Tech companies often claim that we're just making it easier for users to see the video they want to watch when they're actually serving their business interests. You can't blame them because increasing time spent is the currency they compete for. Instead, imagine if technology companies empowered you to consciously bound your experience to align with what would be time well spent for you. Not just bounding the quantity of time you spend, but the qualities of what would be time well spent. I think this next one is the... Uh... One of the better ones, I like it. Hijack number seven. Instant interruption versus respectful delivery. Excuse me for the whistle there. Little lisp comes out every once in a while on mic. I'm sure you've heard it plenty of times by now with me. Let's try lighting that other Randy's wired joint I rolled up earlier. See if that can't get us a little deeper back into the mood here. Companies know that messages that interrupt people immediately are more persuasive at getting people to respond than messages delivered asynchronously, like email or any other deferred inbox. Given the choice, Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp, WeChat, or Snapchat for that matter, would prefer to design their messaging system to interrupt recipients immediately and show a chat box instead of helping users respect each other's attention. In other words, interruption is good for business. It's also in their interest to heighten the feeling of urgency and social reciprocity. For example, Facebook automatically tells the sender when you saw their message, instead of letting you avoid disclosing whether you read it. In parentheses, now that you know I've seen the message, I feel even more obligated to respond. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think we get to turn that off. By contrast, Apple, more respectfully, lets users toggle red receipts on or off. The problem is, maximizing interruptions in the name of business creates a tragedy of the commons ruining global attention spans and causing billions of unnecessary interruptions each day. This is a huge problem we need to fix with shared design standards, potentially as part of something they call time well spent. There's a link to that. It must be an initiative or some sort of 
humanetech.com is the link. Realigning technology with humanity's best interests. Um, okay, so that's an interesting link and website. Uh, looks like a TED Talk. Looks like some other resources. Uh, the way forward looks like some sort of call to action. Uh, check it out for sure. Go to this story that you'll find in the show notes and uh, search on time well spent or just search directly time well spent. Hi, Jack. Number eight. Bundling your reasons with their reasons. Another way apps hijack you is by taking your reasons for visiting the app to perform a task, okay? And make them inseparable from the app's business reasons. Maximizing how much we consume once we're there. For example, in the physical world of grocery stores, the number one and number two most popular reasons to visit are pharmacy refills and buying milk. But grocery stores want to maximize how much people buy. So they put the pharmacy and the milk at the back of the store. I, I, yep, I'm aware of that trend. I think we've all heard about a little bit about grocery store, you know, psychology in terms of displays over the years. In other words, they make the thing customers want, milk, pharmacy, inseparable from what the business wants you to walk all the way through the store, right? If the stores were truly organized to support people, they would put the most popular items in the front. Tech companies design their websites the same way. For example, when you want to look up a Facebook event happening tonight, your reason, the Facebook app doesn't allow you to access it without first landing on the news feed, their reasons. And that's on purpose. Facebook wants to convert every reason you have for using Facebook into their reason, which is to maximize the time you spend consuming things. Instead, imagine if Twitter gave you a separate way to post a tweet than having to see their newsfeed. Imagine if Facebook gave a separate way to look up Facebook events going on tonight without being forced to use their newsfeed. Imagine if Facebook gave you a separate way to use Facebook Connect as a passport for creating new accounts on third-party apps and websites without being forced to install Facebook's entire app, newsfeed, and notifications. In a time well spent world, there's always a direct way to get what you want separately from what businesses want. Imagine a digital bill of rights outlining design standards that forced the products used by billions of people to let them navigate directly to what they want without needing to go through intentionally placed distractions. Finally, This is the last hijack. Inconvenient choices. There's a lot of hijacks on our consciousness, though. 
and they were all real. Uh, from what I can tell, these all are real things that are happening continuously. We are told that it's enough for businesses to, quote, make choices available. If you don't like it, you can always use a different product. If you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. If you're addicted to our app, you can always uninstall it from your phone. Businesses naturally want to make the choices they want you to make easier and the choices they don't want you to make harder. Magicians, back to the magician, do the same thing. You make it easier for a spectator to pick the thing you want them to pick and harder to pick the thing you don't. For example, NewYorkTimes.com lets you make a free choice to cancel your digital subscription, but instead of just doing it when you hit cancel subscription, they send you an email with information on how to cancel your account by calling a phone number that's only open at certain times. They show an image of the email in question as of 2016. That's how the New York Times was handling that. Oh, they do have one last one. Forecasting errors. Foot-in-the-door strategies. Okay, so what is this? This is... Lastly, apps can exploit people's inability to forecast the consequences of a click. Yeah, there you go. Spend next 20 minutes slash don't click me. Okay. <laughs> People don't intuitively forecast the true cost of a click when it's presented to them. Salespeople use foot-in-the-door techniques by asking for a small, innocuous request to begin with. Just one click to see which tweet got retweeted and escalate from there. Why don't you stay a while? Virtually all engagement websites use this trick. Imagine if web browsers and smartphones, the gateways through which people made these choices, were truly watching out for people and help them forecast the consequences of clicks based on real data about what benefits and costs it actually had. That's why I add estimated reading time to the top of my posts. When you put the true cost of a choice in front of people, you're treating your users or audience with dignity and respect. In a time well spent internet, choices could be framed in terms of projected cost and benefit so people were empowered to make informed choices by default, not by doing extra work. Below they show another image of a seemingly innocuous, you know, like, how would you rate this experience? Begin review is the call to action button and then a modified more truthful call to action button below it saying how would you rate us the same call to action button says spend 15 minutes on three page review which is you know sometimes what you're really signing up for right
he concludes. Smoked that one all the way down, all the way down to the uh, nub. That was great. Even burner, these Randys. I like it. Summary and how we can fix this. Are you upset that technology hijacks your agency? I am too. Your, your own personal agency, not, not an agency that you run, your, your ability to make your own choices agency. I've listed a few techniques, but there are literally thousands. Imagine whole bookshelves, seminars, workshops, and trainings that teach aspiring entrepreneurs techniques like these. Imagine hundreds of engineers whose job every day is to invent new ways to keep you hooked. The ultimate freedom is a free mind, and we need technology that's on our team to help us live, feel, think, and act freely. We need our smartphones, notification screens, and web browsers to be exoskeletons for our minds, and interpersonal relationships that put our values, not our impulses, first. People's time is valuable and we should protect it with the same rigor as privacy and other digital rights. Tristan Harris was our author on this piece from Medium.com, product philosopher at Google until 2016, where he studied how technology affects a billion people's attention, well-being, and behavior. For more resources on time well spent, see http forward slash forward slash time well spent dot io. So that sounds like he's definitely involved with this time well spent initiative. Um, and we'll have to click around a little bit more on that website and in that world and learn a little bit more about it. I'm certainly interest is peaked. He also updated this post to include comments with some thanks. The first version of this post lacked acknowledgments to those who inspired my thinking over many years, including Joe Edelman, Aza Raskin, Ralph Domico, Jonathan Harris, and Damon Horowitz. Um, so there we go. Um, I upvoted and gave applause to the article here uh, from Mr. Harris and greatly enjoyed and appreciated this story and I hope you guys did as well we are just over well, a few minutes past an hour right at this point and uh, I think we got it I mean we really just were we didn't have a heavy strain of the week you know a legit strain of the week this week um, just wanted to you know make the room for that big story I think the Randy's Wired papers were really fun, and I hope some of you try them and let me know what you think about them. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, right around anniversary uh, episode time, right around episode 52, we should be hitting probably Hempfest. 
um, which is coming up in just a few, you know, another week or two uh, here in Washington State. Uh, I'm looking forward to Matt from SeshCast uh, from the East Coast making it out here and hanging out with me and hopefully maybe even making a visit down to our garden. Um, the uh, folks that I work with down in Tacoma while he's here, uh, that would be super fun. So uh, definitely been getting ready for hemp fest uh the garden here at the house is doing amazing uh as of today i can't say that i'm seeing pre-flowers really on my plants it's august 6th we're in washington state you know i'm expecting to see any time now any i mean there might be some white hairs on these babies but even my lake of fires that I know for a fact are female, those two, uh, I, I don't, you know, I see a lot of sites that will be bud sites. I know I've been tracking all my major boughs and I know what my plants look like. So I know what I'm looking at to see those pre-flowers start showing. Um, you guys will see them just about as soon as I see them because I'll of course share them with you probably on Instagram most likely I mentioned it at the top of the show follow me there on Instagram at baked and awake I'm super active there uh, follow my friend at top tree on Instagram some of the funniest cannabis memes going uh, and cannabis culture humor of all forms going right there at top tree and top tree has a whole family and friends out there on, in the insta meme world uh and insta humor world um that you know you should get acquainted with uh join us there find me over at the damaged goods network damagedgoodsinc.com is the web address there you can find my show baked and awake you can find the damaged goods show itself sith lord fireball jesus thc aka the golden god and their rotating cast of unsuspecting guests and uh, equally crazy and very suspecting friends that they bring through. Um, Daddy Issues, beta testing, everybody over there is just wonderful uh, and a lot of fun. And, um, you know, as I, as I hasten to say every time, um, we all need different fare at different times. You can't live on a continuous diet of me and my stories about technology hijacking your consciousness alone you gotta hijack your consciousness with some different stuff from time to time so get some variety in your life um all right i think i've got one a fun one for you for the outro here today i'm gonna play a song by my friend and wonderful artist monkey shorts um, a track called download uh, like everybody else i've mentioned tonight you'll be able to find monkey shorts in the show notes that are published with every episode of the baked and awake show this has been the 50th episode of the show and you know i love you guys and appreciate the heck out of all of you all your emails, all your messages, all your comments, every little, every little listen. Uh, 
means the world. And I love hearing about it when you have listened. So um, have a great one. Look forward to some great content coming your way in the coming year. Tell a friend about the show for us if you can. We love that. Appreciate it. You know what to do. Smoking with you. It's on for being dumb.